You're listening to Millennial Marketers Podcast, the show for aspiring marketers, marketing professionals, and business owners. My name is Daniel. And my name is Jamal. Uh, we are two millennial agency owners from London uh, with a passion for all things digital marketing. And on this podcast, we'll be sharing insights, discussions, and advice on marketing and digital culture. And sometimes we'll be chatting to other people with inspiring stories. Should we roll the intro? Roll it. It's quite simple. Well, so we are running a podcast, eh? We're running a podcast, yeah. We're, we're one of those people now. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it, it, it's good because I, I I think a lot of people are starting podcasts just, just because. Like, we've got one of those. We've got Reddit, which is just mm-hmm. us chatting and a way for people to, you know, have a bit of fun in this weird time that we're living in. Yep, yep. But it's also a way for us to warm up because we usually do it before this podcast. Yeah. And then we kind of warm up our comfortability and... Mm-hmm. What do you want to call it? Well, it's, it's me and you, we we have like two conversations, really. Um, yeah. Like because obviously we live together. Yeah. Uh, and we have two main conversations. It's either about marketing. Yeah. Uh, and stuff that's happening with that, um, or it's just about the most random, like weird thing that is life. Yeah. So we're always like discussing like oh these kind of things and like weird things you find on the internet. Usually it's me bringing it to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have a funny search history. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and uh, that's going to be a soundbite whenever, if I ever get into like politics or something. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. shit. <laughs> um, the, um, yeah, we, those are the kind of things. So we thought, oh, let's, let's just record those kind of things. Yeah. Get a little bit of insight and, and have other people kind of be a little bit of a fly on the wall to our conversations. Yeah, I agree. It, yeah, I think it was also, we used, we chose the name Millennial Marketers because of two things. Yeah. One is the fact that we are millennials ourselves. Mm-hmm. And also, maybe three things then. One is that we are millennials. Mm-hmm. Two, that the next generation of marketers are going to be millennials. Mm-hmm. So sometimes they don't have like a place to put out their words or come yeah. with questions and stuff. So this is like a hub platform where mm-hmm. we, young millennials, can discuss these kind of things. Maybe give our point of view on subjects that we don't think the grown-ups going to listen to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but that's it. We're gonna we're gonna see how this platform's gonna develop during the days. Yeah, yeah, we're pretty pretty new to this, so we'll give that a, a big thing. This will get better as we go along. Yeah, um, as we kind of like soak into where where we want to be. Um, if you have any like questions or anything or any particular you know things you want to add in that you think would be useful for us to discuss on here, definitely let us know. Um, you can reach out to us on. Loads of different platforms and stuff. Uh, we'll go into that at the end and stuff. Um, but if you're watching on YouTube, just drop a comment down below. Um, we're we're kind of taking this just a little bit free. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I think my personal issue is not issue, but the thing the thing I'm struggling with sometimes is because we come from a place where we had to take these kind of mm-hmm. interviews and videos quite serious, mm-hmm. and this is relaxed and a bit more yeah. conversational. And we, I myself, have to get into that phase. Just yeah, relaxing. yeah. Just mil- talk, <laughs> just like we do in the living room. Exactly. You know? Yeah, I'm a millennial marketer. Brand is very professional. Yeah. Um, it is personal as well. So we our brand that is millennial marketers. It's um, a blog 
uh, on Medium that uh, gives out advice and discussion around marketing and digital culture. Um, and then we have a YouTube channel that teaches people uh, about marketing um, from very basic beginner stuff to all the way up to intermediate and you know expert level Facebook ads and stuff like that. Mm. Um, so that's very you know direct. Here I'm going to teach. Well, this is very much just it's just yeah. having a chat. It is, um, which is a it's a weird to get used to. Yeah, um, it is because usually there is a agenda, mm-hmm. which there is as well. There are certain topics that we want to cover, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, is not with a mm-hmm. goal of selling anything. Is not with the goal of trying to get a lead, or it's yeah. not that. It's literally just talking. Yeah, and it, like I found like quite a bit is that obviously you know that I've kind of grown up around like cameras in my face because because of work because of just the way my family culture is and stuff like that um and i found to other people that aren't used to it they're fine having a chat and stuff but as soon as a camera comes out yeah it's just something inside just goes oh, oh i don't know <laughs> i need to, yeah i need to be like perfection yeah yeah you know? it's, and it's like oh no like yeah. it's it's i don't know it's something like um it's almost as if there was like your dad in the room or something and he was watching you do something like this. And oh. it's, it's like, you feel the judgment. <laughs> of like, I've got, uh. um, but yeah, no, I, I'm quite excited for this. Um, I don't know about you. Are you excited? I, I am. Yeah. I think I was trying to explain my girlfriend what this podcast is going to be about. Mm-hmm. And I was saying to her, well, first of all, we have a plan mm-hmm. of how we want to go, but we don't know hundred percent. Basically, Millennial Marketers is a hub for aspiring marketers mm-hmm. and people who already are marketers and business owners mm-hmm. where we can discuss news and topics that are going on right now or maybe discuss what the history has shown within yeah. this industry, uh, what we can learn and what we shouldn't do from mm-hmm. things that happened. And also, um, yeah, maybe give some advice maybe for someone out who's out there um, who's trying to get into this field or think it's interesting, but only heard about marketing because there's no other place to, like not no, no other place, but when you're trying to find a place to study, yeah. usually marketing comes up because everyone else is doing it, yeah. but not everyone understands the full aspect of it. Yeah, and I find a lot of the stuff, it's very, again, it's very professional. It's very, you know, set in stone. And it's like, it's like, okay, you want to get into marketing, you do this, you do this, you want to learn about marketing. Well, here's read the drum that was going to, or the campaign live that is going to put it, you know, in very, you know, news way. And it's like, what if you just like marketing and you just want to know a little bit more about it and hear two people discuss it? And I think that's what, it is kind of beneficial about this. Um, so we're going to have, um, so it's not just going to be us. We yeah. hope, to, obviously, because of the situation now, we can't bring in guests physically, yeah. but we will uh, bring in guests that are already within those three categories, mm-hmm. already want to be an entrepreneur, is an entrepreneur, or is a business owner, mm-hmm. and have like conversation with them, hear their stories, get their advice. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing that we're going to have on this podcast. I like. I think the the way we've got it planned out so far is that each week is going to kind of revolve around one main topic. Yeah. Um, and then there will be you know the news topics and stuff of that week within there as well. Um, so the big thing uh, that we've got is is if you can let us know what those big topics that you want to discuss, but also <laughs> if there's any smaller topics that'd be quite interesting to talk about in that news or discussion area. Yeah. Um, obviously, let us know as well. Um, we want this to be a two-way street. Um, you know, we don't want this just to be us talking and then you listening. Uh, we want that communication back as well. You don't have to <laughs> if they just want to, you know, listen. You know, do their workout. 
you know, sure. <laughs> sit in the bath and listen to us, um, you know, grab your rubber ducky and, and, sit <laughs> and enjoy. But um, if not, you know, if you do want to, you know, have this communication, we're very much up for that. Um, yeah. And, and hopefully we can get some of you guys that are listening onto the podcast as well to tell your own stories. Oh, that would be lovely. Yeah, that would be great. So for this next section or our first section, we wanted to tell a little bit about ourselves mm -hmm. so that people who are listening can either resonate with us, understand who we are as a persona, get our character a little bit, understand who are the people behind these microphones talking. Also, they can just see if they want to listen to us for another you know, year listen. and a half. <laughs> Maybe they don't like our personality and they're just like, no, we don't like these guys. Ah, well, hopefully Which, we can. <laughs> they're entitled yeah. to that opinion if they want. Hopefully that's they true. like us. That's, that's fair. Um, so yeah, we're gonna we I, I mean I know Jamal quite well right now, uh, right now I don't know why I said right now, but anyway I know you quite well, mm -hmm. um, so I prepared some questions just to get you to talk a little bit about your story because I know it's long, mm -hmm. <laughs> so I just wanted to um, bring some interesting pieces out of it and yeah, uh, yeah. share it with the the rest. Um, if I may start, yeah, you go for it. Um, um, hopefully, if throughout it, if I can hear your version of it as well and like if, if there's something quite similar i'd like to you know see your perspective and stuff okay so um i've started like this i've known you for some time now yeah and i know you're a man with many titles yeah and a lot of knowledge that's one thing that i've discovered when i was very like when i first saw you a lot of knowledge a lot of a, about a lot of stuff and i looked this yeah. word up because i was like there must be a word for this and it's called a polymath okay, you are yeah. a polymath yeah. Uh, I mean it in a positive way. I yeah, don't know yeah. if it's used or negative. Um, I always got like I always used to say I'm, I'm uh, jack of all trades but master of none. That oh, was, well, that that was, was deep, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because I was I was always saying that it sounds like you're 50 years old. Yeah. So first off, how old are you actually? 25. 25. All yeah. right. So you're young. Yeah. But so there's a lot of things you know about. So what are some of the things that you don't know a lot about? Oh, okay. Okay, that's an interesting <laughs> question. I was not expecting that. Um, okay, um, there's a lot of stuff in like early history. I'm really bad at history. Okay. Um, I know like facts and figures that are like quite interesting that affect like politics and society, mm -hmm. but like actual history, like what happened with the Egyptians and stuff, mm -hmm. no idea. Um, I'm not very good at um, like high level maths or anything like that. Um, I mean, I, your low-level math is better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think the biggest thing, uh, sometimes, like, people, really. Yeah. Like, people as a whole, I feel like I understand them quite well and, yeah. and thing. Um, and I, I think I, I understand people, but I don't, don't understand how I should be with people. I get it. You know? Is like, there, because I always wondered, when you are, you know, you're the kind of guy, if I'm talking about a subject, subject you're going to, if you don't know it, you're going to go start Googling straight mm -hmm. away and find an answer for it. Yeah. How come? Like, what what has made you into that kind of... I don't know person. the correct answer for that, but I, I lived in a household that was always... It was very opinion-focused. Okay. Um, and so my mum, specifically, yeah. uh, wonderful lady, um, but she, she, if she heard something slightly right, she would think it was 100% right. So if she'd heard something and mm. she'd trick her brain, and a lot of people do this, they will see something in passing, like on the news or they'll read an, like an article right. or something, uh, and they'll pick up a bit of the information. But then in their head, they've automatically assumed that that's correct. So they'll read something about 
a dinosaur, you know, uh, I don't know why I chose dinosaur. But let's say a, <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> like, they read something about a dinosaur, um, uh, what's it called? Fossil. Uh, fossil. Yeah, dinosaur, yeah. dinosaur fossil um, from six billion years ago. And so, uh, and then they'll read us, and in that same article, there'll, there'll be a separate thing that's talking about, you know, maybe in a newspaper, there's that. And then there's another one about how technology can bring things to life. And they'll yeah. merge the two in their memory and think, we're bringing back dinosaurs. And they'll be like, no, <laughs> no, no, we're not. Um, and then, so for me, because I've always lived in that quite opinion-focused household, yeah. and everyone's very loud and you have to shout to get, you know, the if you just be quiet, you won't, your opinion will never be noticed. Yeah. Um, so I always became that person that was just like, I don't believe any of the shit you're saying. <laughs> um, I'm going to Google this. And I also, I've just not been afraid to say I don't, I don't know. That's a good I skill. Know, I have I to be honest. That's a good skill. Like I'm in my background, we're going to maybe come into it, but like as a Persian, like we often don't say, I don't know. Yeah. It's always that proud of like, I know, I, yeah. of course I know that answer. <laughs> so I, I, uh, that's think, a good skill. I think a lot of it is also coming from the fact of like, I was like a, a self-made learner in a lot of things. Yeah. So like photography before I got, you know, my job and stuff uh, in photography. Um, Cause I ended up working on cruise ships and doing it freelance as well. Um, I learned by myself. I, I got up YouTube videos. I went onto Google mm. and I, I learned the aperture triangle. I learned, um, you know, what framing techniques to use and stuff like that. And it's, it's, I, I've always just been one of those people of like, if I don't know, I'll just Google it. Yeah. I, it's just <laughs> one of those things that I always try to teach my brother. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm telling him like, if there is something that you don't know, Honestly, just Google it, YouTube it, anything. Have you have you seen that website? Uh, let me Google that for you. No. Okay. Google? So yeah, yeah. So <laughs> let it's it's spelled like let me Google that for you. So it's L M thing. And what it okay. is is so you type in like you so go to the website, you type in what they should search. Yeah. And then you just send them that link, and then when they open it, it will just come up the Google page. It will type it in for them, That's and then amazing. press search, and it'll be like Google it yourself. <laughs> it's really good it's like those t-shirts you can buy like at the i don't know when you go on holidays and they have like um printed t-shirts with something like the the best google search or something is oh, my okay. wife or yeah, something. yeah 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 um yeah yeah see i was always that person in my family i was it. always the the person that fixes the computers i was the person that if they had you know a question about why well, did my family's finances sometimes and stuff as well there you like go. um a lot of the times it was just I'm, I'm not afraid to check because we don't know everything in the world. What's it like? You're and, never going to know everything in the world. And that's my point because I, as I introduced you with, you're a man of many titles. So you're like your CV, I've seen your CV. Mm-hmm. It is so long. And I so, think a so lot of that things. is ADHD though as well. Like, I, like maybe like it's a little bit of like <laughs> uh, that, you know, thing. So, I mean, what is, what's, the, so I'm not going to go through your whole CV, but yeah, what yeah. are some of the weirdest or most out there jobs that you've had? So as I said, I worked on a cruise ship. Yeah. Uh, so I worked as a photographer. I went to uh, you know pretty much every country in, on the coast of Europe, mm-hmm. uh, the Caribbean, and I went out taking photos. And oh, uh, sounds so boring, huh? It, it does sound really <laughs> boring. Yeah. Uh, it was it was hard work, like fourteen hour days and stuff. Some days, like yeah. when we were not at sea, mm-hmm. like I was just on vacation basically. But when we were at sea, yeah. like when you go to the Caribbean, that's eight days at sea. You're working nonstop. Um, yeah. but cheap drinks. I learned a lot. We were taking like 3000 pictures a day. Um, so that was really interesting. Um, then I was a wine advisor. So mm-hmm. basically 
it's a very one of those titles like happiness manager um <laughs> i sold wine over the phone yeah um but i would start it with hello i am your uh, jamal your wine advisor oh wow how are you doing today <laughs> which particular grapes are you enjoying this weekend um so yeah what do you so, call that type we have karen's what do you call that kind of type oh i just call them posh Poshies. Like, I, don't, I don't want to offend any posh people. Um, I'm slightly like from my voice. I'm my voice is relatively posh in itself. So, um, sorry, I didn't mean to pull, pull you off. No, no, no. Um, yeah, that was the weird. One. I was a baker. Oh, okay, that was a very short. Ooh, I would like job. that. Uh, it's not as good as it sounds because you don't make it from scratch. I was a baker in co-op. Okay. Uh, trade secret. It's all frozen. <laughs> That's <laughs> so my, good start. I, my job as a baker was to take frozen dough and put it into the into the ovens okay from like five in the morning until like 12 in the afternoon i mean i bet you can google that too yeah <laughs> um okay that was it i worked in business development i worked uh marketing freelance um, Free, so you were freelance before right yeah so you did what as a freelance so a little bit of a little bit of different things. So I did video editing was the main one. Yeah. Um, but then I also did photography freelance um, and then a little bit of social media marketing and, and helping out because I, I used to be in like the YouTube crowd. Yeah. And so I just hang out with that and help people out with their sets, um, help them out with their videos. Um, and yeah, just whatever I could get, really. I just wanted to learn a lot. Yeah. Oh, also as an actor, that's a, another one. A big oh, one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a mic drop, huh? Yeah, I, I forgot <laughs> about that. You're an um, actor um i've seen that's that's right i i did know that yeah um but um in terms of acting you because you've shown me the shows that you've been on yeah and you explained to me the situation and stuff the, now let's just add a thing i showed him like t maybe a year into like knowing him or something i didn't just be like hi i'm jamal I'm, <laughs> i was on tv yeah. hi i'm i'm tv no i mean i'm jamal <laughs> hi i'm tv hi i'm gdm yeah um and that's an in joke <laughs> yeah it is maybe we could show it anyway yeah. um basically what i wanted to ask was because things were actually going quite well yeah when you were acting when your yeah. prime time so uh, how old were you again? I started when I was, well, I started like acting, dancing and stuff, went to a theater school at the age of three. Yeah. Um, and I did that until I was 18. Okay. Um, but I got my first job job yeah. like with the BBC at age 12. Okay. Um, I'd done a few like um, things in the West End and stuff, like very small things. Um, but I did that, you know, before that. But the first big thing was a BBC show called Grandma's House when I was 12, when, I, when I was 14, and I did that all the way until I was 16. Um, 16, okay. Yeah. So I started, started quite early, and then I stopped acting with my last big thing that I did was a show called Crims. Yeah. Um, and that was done, I finished that when I was nine, I finished filming it when I was 19, it came out when I was 20. Okay, wow. Yeah. So things were going pretty well. Yeah. Like who who were supporting you during this time? Like, were you like yourself on your yeah, own? Yeah, yeah. I was living off my own money. Like, uh, I stopped. I stopped. Um, I stopped like living off my parents by about like fifteen, sixteen, um, oh, because my young. parents moved to another city, like to the other side of the UK. Uh, and for acting work, I had to stay here, and also because all my GCSEs and stuff like that. Because um, you were still going to school. Yeah, yeah. So I, I had my own tutor, and I was mm. going to school whenever I wasn't on set. I was at school. Um, and when I was at, on set, I still had, you know, a tutor and stuff that was working with me to make sure that I was getting my GCSEs and stuff, um, I mean, A-levels. I mean, when you explain it, it sounds pretty luxury. I do. So it what, does. what made you stop? Or was that by choice? Maybe that wasn't by choice. No, there was a little bit of both. Like, 
I just didn't like the industry anymore, and I didn't like acting. Is it's basically you're a puppet. You okay, know? you're a puppet on strings, and the director, the writers, and things, and they, hmm. you know, run the things for you. And I've always been quite creative. Yeah, and so I, I really kind of got at that same time near the end bit around the ages 18, 19, that was when I was falling into the YouTube crowd and I kind of uh, got that creative spark. And yeah. I wanted to be a little bit more behind the camera. Mm-hmm. And so that was where I started with the phot- uh, photography, the videography and stuff like that. And then I started at the same time, obviously you can't afford to live off that completely freelance. Right. So that was why I was doing, you know, part-time as a wine advisor at that same time. So a lot of these... I was at the same time. Yeah, so, so a lot of these things. jobs were you know at the same time so i did the wine advisor job yeah um you know part-time because it was luckily it was quite flexible okay um and so whenever i was doing freelance work i would leave the wine advisor come back and then i'll just go straight back to the wine advisor right and i actually went left the wine advisor job went on the cruise ship for nine months and came straight back (laughs) and went back to the wine advisor job so luckily i was quite um privileged in the fact that I could I had this one advisor job that I yeah. could use as my backbone um, I think I did in total around two at two years at the one advisor job but over like a three to four year period um, because I was you know coming and going and stuff right um, but overall the weirdest the it's just I had that that creative urge yeah um, and so I just wanted to uh, do stuff like that but because I had the business background of sales and then from the one advisor job I went into business development um in order to be a little bit more secure and that was where i kind of went these things can merge you know okay i wonder what what can be done that can merge the creativity bit that i enjoy and yeah. the business bit which i'm really good at because i was their top seller and stuff which is why they allowed so that you learned business through work not yeah. through school like 100 yeah, percent. okay yeah okay interesting yeah and so, then you just took the yeah, so then I was I realized like within while working in the YouTube crowd bit yeah. that marketing uh, a lot of the people basically all of my friends are either YouTubers or mm-hmm. they work in the industry so they're either managers they work in um, you know marketing companies or publishers yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mostly surrounding YouTube so um, everyone that wasn't going into being a YouTuber or working on sets yeah. was going into the marketing and publisher world mm. and so I realized okay that seems interesting that that mixes the the business world that i'm good at and yeah. the creative world that i really enjoy maybe i should go down there and so i started doing a little bit of uh, freelance of that as well and then i realized that although i had you know the photography the business the sales and a small amount of marketing stuff that i've been doing freelance uh, and i just kept doing that for at least a year or two right. i realized i need education i need i need a degree for people to take me seriously because i didn't have it was so crazy because I was going into uh, graduate um, roles. Not, not yeah, the graduate uh, interviews for graduate roles. Okay, yeah. Um, without a degree, and I was going there, and I'd I'd get into the room, and I'd be there'd be like everyone go around and say, "What degree you have? What um, uh, one one big fact about you?" And I'd be like, "Well, my big fact and my degree is that I don't have a degree," and I'd still get through a like thing. But at that last hurdle, I always got the same thing from employers. Yeah which was they said, um, your CV is a mess. How do we know you're going to stick with this one? And Got so I, needed the, I decided to go back to uni, um, not just because I thought it would be useful and I'd be able to learn that theory basis that I'd already learned from the practical side, but also it's very, um, 
it's a way to prove to people that it's, I can commit. It's what it is. I think a lot of people these days in with entrepreneurs, like they see people dropping out of uni and stuff, but having having a diploma never hurts. Yeah. 100%. Like a lot of people say, Well, I don't need it, I'm over. But it never hurts. It never it hurts. hurts. And also, like we always say, we'll, we, we're going into this in uh, one of our next yeah, 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 things yeah. about studying marketing at uni and stuff. But the biggest thing that I notice is that it's the networking, the people, the opportunities you have, and the time while being at uni more yeah. than anything else than just, just the learning. You get a lot more from uni than just the theory. Yeah. I kind of say like the diploma is kind of just a key to open it if you're lucky yeah. to open the door and then you got to do the work like you got to do the rest yourself but it never hurts with a degree I think um, but yeah once I so, once I went to uni I met you yeah. um, we decided to start an agency together we won a great competition and then here we are now out of uni you know running an agency and now starting a podcast and, nice, and that's great. we kind of caught up to Thing. There's obviously a lot of different things that we'll go over in other episodes, but that was a nice um, thing. Is a did that get most of the things you? It did. Uh, I think I, w- I would end it with one thing. Yeah. I want to say what's something absurd or weird that you love doing. For instance, myself. Yeah. Whenever I have to make smoothies and stuff, I always cut the banana in a certain way. Okay. I always half like half peel it, mm-hmm. and then with my um, spoon, mm-hmm. I cut like the amount of pieces. Yeah, I I cut the amount of um, the pieces that I need, and then I swoop it into the smoothie thing. I mm-hmm. always do that. I yeah. never just peel the banana and put it in. And it's something so small, absurd, that mm-hmm. I just like I I find pleasure doing. <laughs> How about yourself? I don't, I really don't know what my um what my absurd thing is. I do a lot of absurd things. You live yeah, with me. True, you know though. these things. Um, what's the the weird things that I the most absurd thing I do? Um. I sleep with socks on. That's Whoa. quite weird. Yeah, I don't think you know Whoa, that. Whoa, that is controversial. Yeah. Whoa. I like I like toasty feet. Like I like my <laughs> feet to be warm. You know? I, I just asked this to make people resonate with you, not to not they resonate. <laughs> yeah, with exactly. you. Okay, let's bring it back down to something simple. You know the banana thing? Yeah. Uh I hold it from the long thin end. Okay. Because that's how like monkeys do it. And so they use that as a holder, and then you take the small end oh. and you pinch it. And so I hold it like that. So I got like a little banana handle. Okay, that, fair that enough. <laughs> fair enough. Okay. But yeah, um, yeah that, that's, I'll, that's I'll a simple that. one. The yeah. big one, sleep with socks on. Wow, um, that, that one's going to haunt you. Bro. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to come back to that on the show. <laughs> I don't know if you wanted to take a little bit more businessy, but. No, um, no, no, no. Perfect. <laughs> I love it. Um, so, should we get into yours? Uh, okay. Your yeah. things. I've got a couple of uh, things. Obviously, the same as you, I know you know most of your story already yeah um obviously there's more that we can always learn as we go yeah, yeah. um but overall yeah i've already uh, heard your story so there's a couple of key things that i want to go on i'll do my um, best to keep it short yeah 100 <laughs> <laughs> percent. is um one obviously the fact that um before you kind of came to we both met in uni and stuff and yeah. before you came here um and before you even started your main job and stuff that we'll get into in a sec mm-hmm. um you you're not from the uk at no all. no that's right uh, where are you from um as i always say uh, i'm born and raised in denmark mm-hmm. but i'm persian by blood yeah. iran in that sense so my parents are from iran yeah and i'm um, born and raised in denmark grew up there and i moved here when i was eight, 19 how old are you now uh, 
I'm 23. 23. I have to think. Like, I don't realize <laughs> that I'm 23. <laughs> no one asks our age anymore. That's the thing. Yeah. Once you get past, like, 23 or 22, it's just like, yeah, you're an adult, right? Yeah. 20s. Yeah, somewhere in the 20s. <laughs> yeah, um, so. so, yeah, what was that like moving from a, a whole new country, uh, especially from, like, a smaller city like Oros, yeah. uh, all the way to, to London, like, the financial capital of Europe? Uh, first of all, well, well said. Yeah. Like Aarhus, that's a, they they typical, right. dif- yeah, like, difficult, uh, difficult name. Um, so it's not Copenhagen, but it's the second largest city. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest difference was not just the size and the language. It was basically how people approach you mm-hmm. and the culture. Uh, yeah, the culture. That's a good word for it. I think people here quickly, uh, they were just different. They didn't try to stamp you as. Who are you? What are you? Like, are you Muslim? Are you this? Are you this? Yeah. It was just more, who are you as a person? Yeah. And regardless of what you said, they were like, all right, cool. Yeah. Or they were like, well, I know actually someone, another friend of mine, he he has Persian friends and whatever, whatever. And that was it. So yeah. you were sort of appreciated as an individual. Yeah, Lond- um, London as a whole is very diversified. That's, and that's, weird. that's true. I have to say, I have only, I moved directly to London and I've only been in London. Yeah. So uh, that's my experience. It's based on London. Yeah, yeah. I've told Daniel before that I'm going to take him out to like the countryside, like where my family lives, and where it's just old ladies in villages, where you got like one post office, one uh, one <laughs> pub, one co-op, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll get you to experience that a little bit. Um, but uh, but overall, yeah, I'm I, I'm I'm glad you came. Obviously, thank you. Um, thank you. And me too. I'm I'm. I'm here to stay in that sense. <laughs> Is there any particular stories uh, in terms of your move or anything um, you would give as advice to anyone else moving to a whole new big city? Like um, For someone moving, because obviously I, I did it on my own. I moved straight yeah. after college. And uh, I was lucky that before I moved, I have been. I took a, a long trip to London. Yeah. I went out with my CV and I was lucky to find a job. So my first step, my first advice would be to Get your foot into the door. It doesn't matter what kind of job. If you can find a place to stay or get a job when you move, that's a good step. Um, and then just talk with people. In a city like London especially, because ideally I wanted to move to New York. Yeah. And I was like, no, you know what? I'm going to take the uh, step before and move to London. So, um, yes, yeah, so just to get back to track. So one of the stories was that I moved here by myself mm-hmm. uh, I had the job before and then I just found a place quickly to live but that's another story that the place I lived was uh, a bit of a journey a bit of a story <laughs> uh, I don't know if I should explain that no go for it go for it um, when I moved uh, I was looking for a place desperately mm-hmm. and my family member suggested me one place that he's found that he found and basically I come to the house and before I come, I email and say, hey, I'm coming this day. And she's like, that's fine. Just so you're aware, I have one cat. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay, one cat is fine. I'm allergic to cats. So mm-hmm. I was like, I'll, you know, if I'm just in my room, I'll probably be fine. I'll find a place later. Yeah. I'm, I move there. The second she opens the door, I've just been on a long trip. I'm nervous and excited. I see three cats. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I go in. I find out, okay, I don't have a catfished. Okay. Hey. <laughs> hey, good one. Um, so basically, I find out I don't have a, I don't have my own room. I uh, have to sleep on the couch on like a sofa bed. That doesn't work. Um, and a week later, the cat 
gives birth to like four cats. Oh. So I have seven cats in this house. Oh no. And it's the size of our like the podcast place. Yeah. No offense to a house. House was fine. It's just there were seven cats there, don't have a room. And I just had to deal with that whole thing of trying to find a business card mm-hmm. without a phone number or without any reference. I had to find a phone number without any other references. Yeah. Like all the process of establishing yourself in a new city was so hard. Obviously, I, I've heard this cat cat story before and yeah. stuff. Um, and I'm also allergic to cats and dogs and uh, as well. And it, it sounds like hell, but the woman herself, like the yeah. person you lived with, did she help you adjust? Did she help you get through these, you know, this new environment that you're in as well? Um, I have to be honest, yes. The first day she took me on a tour, she explained me where things are, what supermarkets are good to use. Yeah. Um, I was introduced to Waitrose as the first thing. Yeah. So... Automatically, I, I paid overpriced for my yeah. grocery. <laughs> it's fine. You got used to the, the price that is London. Um, but basically, yeah, she showed me around. She she was nice in the beginning, I'll be honest. It's just the cat thing. She was a like a pure cat lady. Full you, crazy cat like, lady. You know, just cats are her babies. Yeah. So I couldn't get rid of that kind of element. And the fact... She wasn't really adjustable in terms of like having my own space. Yeah. Like my wardrobe was in her room. So oh. in mornings when I had to go to work, I had to like quietly go into her room, open the wardrobe and then put on my suit <laughs> in wow. front of her like while she's sleeping. Like you can't be, like see that's that but the thing yeah. is is that works out as really good like hustle culture. Yeah. Like, in your autobiography, that's going to be really cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, that would be fun to make like a short video out of. Like now, I live in a seven hundred and fifty thousand pound London apartment, but before that, I lived, you know, with cats and I had to sneak in. <laughs> but that's actually my point. I the, this is as I'm very optimistic and na- not naive, but very optimistic as an individual. And I saw that as the best thing that happened for me mm-hmm. because I came from a place I was. I've never like. I'm not rich or anything. Yeah. I'm just saying I was very comfortable in Denmark. Yeah. Home with parents, great friends, all the kind of things. The second I stepped foot into London, slam in my face, you don't have a business, um, you don't have a phone number, you don't have an address, you don't have, uh, what do you call bank card, or any of these essential things. And then also the luxury of living comfortably, I didn't have. Yeah. So I had to just grow up very fast. And it, you know, I did. You just, it's not so much, it's actually, as we were talking about before, you Google stuff. Yeah. You ask people on the street. You, if you're willing to do those kind of things, it's easier for you. And you just got to stick through it, man. Yeah. Like, it's the place you first move into is not going to be the place you end up. No, of course. Like, and that's the thing, uh, talking about that whole, like, hustle grind and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, obviously, when you come to uh, a place like London and stuff, and you weren't living off your, your parents' money or anything like that. What, oh, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> um, how, how, did you, um, how did you support yourself? How did you hustle through that to get to where you are now? Um, basically, I, well, I was lucky, as I said, I, I got the job before I moved. Yeah. So that was my security. I saved up money in Denmark. Mm-hmm. And I used that the first couple of, I think the first three, two months maybe for rent. Mm-hmm. And then as I was getting paid, I used that for my transport mm-hmm. and um, just living there. Um, but I have to be honest, also one thing, if I had to give a shout out or anything, um, I had a couple of friends who lived here before I moved here. Yeah, And they were, not, they were more acquaintance in the beginning. But when I told them that I'm moving here, do you have, can I get any help? Just like I'm trying to help someone if they're moving mm-hmm. here now. Um, they 
took me under their wing. They showed me nightclubs in London. They showed me like Regent Street and mm-hmm. these kind of like high end places. And that's how I was sort of brought up. It was in their environment. It yeah. was not because I seeked it. It's just those. That's what what they were doing. And uh, as they moved back home to Denmark to study university and stuff, I was sort of on my own. Yeah. And that's when I had to do, you know, learn stuff myself. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, um, it was literally just that job. Yeah. Uh, and what job was that? Uh, I worked for Tiger of Sweden first. Yeah. So it's a Scandinavian fashion retailer. Yeah. Um, and then after a couple of months, Ralph Lauren called me from an old application I've done. And uh, Was that an application you'd done back when you were in Denmark, when you were first applying for all of them? Exactly, spot yeah. on. It was. So um, they called me and while I had the job, and they were like, can you come in for interview? And I went, and I still have the videos and everything. Like I was so nervous. Um, and yeah, at the end, long story short, I got a job, and yeah. uh, that became actually my my family. I became so close with everyone, and I'm still close with the people mm-hmm at Ralph so I have to give a lot of credit to them okay <laughs> <laughs> um so the the you came to uh, to London yeah to study uh, well not to study to work um oh fashion and, and stuff like that um but now then you ended up you know studying um Good and point. then now starting a business like what made you is there any point that kind of made you have that kind of entrepreneurial spirit instead of just going down that path that everyone else goes? That's actually a good point. Um, so when I was in Denmark, yeah, just to give clarification, uh, I, st- I always, entrepreneurship is what I wanted to do before I wanted to be a football player. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when I was young, I saw like an article in the newspaper saying 19 year old boy gets success. And that inspired me to go into the entrepreneurial world. Mm-hmm. That's a whole nother story, but I went into that, I started some businesses that failed. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, you know what? The way I express myself is through clothing. I don't, I'm not the kind of guy who talks out a lot. Yeah. Uh, unless I have to. But with clothing, the way I dress up is the way I express myself. So mm-hmm. I was like, fashion is maybe my thing. So I wanted to take a year here going into fashion and see how that world is, mm-hmm. even though I worked in retail. Yeah, yeah. But, but you were like high end retail, and you're doing a lot of yeah you know, customer retention and stuff like that in there. And um, you know, yeah, you I was I was the kind of curious one who was like, oh, I went up to the PR department and be like, so what do you guys do, and yeah. what kind of customers do you get in, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, nosy a little bit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I thought that was my my way, and I just realized, just like you did with acting, that fashion retail or fashion in general. Is something I love as an expression and as a person personality thing. Yeah. Just to, I just love dressing up in that sense. But it's just a thing. They're quite similar stories, even though they're very different. In the fact that with me with the acting stuff, I was at that point where I could have just floated it and continued to do sitcom after sitcom. Yeah, yeah, sitcom. yeah. Because you're with, comfortable. Exactly, and with yourself, like you could have just worked your way up that Ralph Lauren ladder and eventually moved over to somewhere like Dior yeah. or, you know, uh, Givenchy and, and worked there and worked mm. in eventually in their marketing department for the rest of your life. But or, that that's the thing with marketing in general. I never, I always knew about marketing because I yeah. studied it in college. Like college was, my college was a business college in yeah. Denmark. But I never th- knew that that was my, like my saying and that's my route. Mm-hmm. I think it's only when I moved in with uh, two people in London, yeah. two good friends, um, and one of them, he comes from a marketing background. Yeah. And he studied marketing and he was trying to find a job in marketing. Yeah. And the conversations that we started to have, like the first year, was just incredible. Like he told me about 
stories between Nike and um, what is it called? Adi, uh, Adidas. I still am confused when I have to say it here. <laughs> um, but he was showing me about the stories behind and everything. And I just fell in love with marketing. And I yeah. realized that since I was a kid, that always somehow has been a part of me doing telling stories yeah I, yeah I played with like toys when I was a kid mm-hmm. and I always was in my own world I was telling the story and blah 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 and small steps when you rewind your tape you realize oh marketing is actually something that I liked yeah or, or have been doing a hundred percent I say the same thing I say like that's the thing is like it's those little things everything feels like it added it up to yeah. get there like with me personally the the acting was the it's the telling of stories and then it's the the vocal and the and the, the people part of it yeah. you know being able to speak and being able to tell those stories well then you have the the sales part which is you know mm. the selling the roi of marketing and then you have the creative side which is the design and, and the creative of marketing and so those things all add up and when you it feels like you're like when you take the marketing at the end point out it feels on a cv very all over the place and it's like okay well what is it you want to do like you don't seem to have any focus but Um, my focus has always like in terms of marketing has never been uh so much the selling part and there's never been the advertising no in that sense Uh, it's more than marketing and it was based on that guy uh, axel uh great guy um yeah he, he gave me my first marketing book I still read it today. Yeah. Seth Godin uh, is called All Marketers Are Liars mm-hmm. slash Storytellers. And actually, I was just talking. And then one day, I was doing a run because I like to run in the morning. And I run by this big place, a big building. It looks like a castle. And I realized it says University of Greenwich. And I'm like, oh, it's a uni. And, you know, I was on the stage of like, should I go home? Should I stay here to study? I don't know really what I wanted to do. And that's, you know, that's another part of my story, but basically why I decided to study and stuff like that. But he was the one who inspired me to even think about marketing yeah. uh, as, a, as, a, as a main thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's interesting. Uh, well, end it on one last major yeah. question. Go ahead. Um, a little bit like yours, uh, yeah. a little bit thing. Honest question and big, you know, don't hold back. What was your first impression of me? Because we met at, at uni. Yeah. Um, what was your first impression of me? I think it's actually what I said. Like, this guy is just knowledgeable. What the mm-hmm. What is going on? Like, uh, the first day I saw you mm-hmm. was in a lecture room. And we were having a lecture. Mm-hmm. And I had, you know, he was, the lecturer was speaking. And some guy in the front was asking some questions that I was having in my head. I just didn't dare to take my hand up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, who is this guy? Is he like copying my mind? And I look and basically it's you. Mm-hmm. And that's the day, first day I saw you. And I was like, okay, this guy is um, knowledgeable. And then when I saw you the next time, you were just like quite goofy, light spirited, uh, very British. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, pronounced word particularly. Mm-hmm. Um, so like there's a small, <laughs> these kind of features. But yeah, I think it's just the friendship developed through marketing. Like that's where we connected in the first place. And then mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah, but a good impression in the first place. Uh, that's what I have to say. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, yeah, no, I like that. That's nice. It's very flattering. Um, is it the same now, would you, would you say? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I think now. <laughs> Has it changed, <laughs> your opinion? <laughs> mm, no, I, it hasn't. Uh, you're still as knowledgeable. I think it's just... Uh, I'm a little more goofy than you probably expected. Like, you were like, oh, this guy's a little bit... He's quite thing, and now I'm yeah, just I a think people should ju- weirdo. You know what? People should just go on your TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> um, they should find you on TikTok. But you, yes, you have a certain 
uh, humor that I maybe am a bit more con. What do you say? Uh, Con, not controversial. What is it called? So you're just like you're, you're controlled. Conser- yeah, a little bit more conservative yeah. in terms of humor and yeah. in terms of like what we find funny and stuff. Yeah, yeah. However, uh, yeah, you're much more goofy, and sometimes you just want to be right all the time, and that's yeah. that's sometimes annoying. But most of the time, right. I am right. That's the thing. That's yeah, what's that's, even more that's annoying. Not true. <laughs> <laughs> and that's I come from a household of uh, feelings and opinions. Yeah. And you come from as well opinions, but you turned into facts. Yeah. And that's the difference between me and you. Yeah. So that's that's a great dynamic, to be honest. If you if you're, yeah, that's the thing. We have a very good dynamic because we we, although we have you know similar ways and similar vision and stuff like that, we're very different people. Yeah. Like what made me, um, my first opinion of you, like it was okay. He like it's that guy. Everyone, you're the only person I've ever met that people talk good about behind their back rather than bad. That's Um, very flattering. They, everyone would. People wouldn't know your name, but they'd be like, you know, that really stylish guy, you know, the really <laughs> stylish guy. And as you say, you like to use fashion to talk and it, it works because that's who you were known as in our university. It was, you know, the really stylish one. Um, but it was also, you were very like, as you said, collected, calm, measured, and you were able to, you know, put yourself out there quite easily. And you only, I, I liked and, and it inspired me the fact that you, you only talked uh, and you only brought out when you know that you that your point was important yeah and yeah. every time you spoke it felt like you you had you had something important to say um which as someone that is is just talks <laughs> and is a little bit all over the place <laughs> oh, thanks, it, I, I liked it a lot thank you um, man. and my opinion hasn't changed too much on that either like um i i think obviously i've got to know you a lot more since then yeah um and there are other things like your temper that i've i've learned yeah <laughs> which i did not expect <laughs> um and your um he's not a like a raging thing is is part of him he just becomes calm and he, you you just won't talk to him for a few days <laughs> yeah I'd be very quiet i'm that kind of guy. um he gives the silent treatment um and also um you are a little goofy but in your own way yeah i think, uh, I think yeah. it's well said yeah. It's, but interesting thanks like it is, it's always interesting to hear from another perspective yeah so so yeah i think people now uh have a little bit wider context to who we are who mm-hmm. are the people behind the the microphones obviously they'll learn a little bit more as as we're going in each episode and stuff and we'll, we'll be adding more of our own like our experience into the topics that we talk about yeah. um so there'll be loads more to learn about us um, for sure we, we realize we have a lot of sub stories within our one story yeah we've so. only kind of like scratched the surface really at the moment yeah <laughs> believe it or not um so yeah let's go into a little topic that we have prepared for today which is about news yeah and something news that a news new thing that has happened within the field of marketing and jamal if you won't mind yeah, presenting. so Wired has released this thing yesterday. Um, so it is that Instagram will finally pl- uh, finally pay its influencers. Um, so what? Or will mean- they? Because <laughs> I've, I've read the thing. It sounds wrong. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there there is a chance that they could not. But the basically what Wired are reporting is is that Instagram is going to move a little bit more towards like YouTube mm-hmm. in the way that they're actually going to pay their influencers directly from a percentage of their ad revenue. So this will be specifically only in IGTV. So it won't be on mm. like feed pictures and stuff. But it'll be on IGTV, um, which I think is a big reason why they're doing that is to push that a little bit more. For sure. But then also um, people will be able to sponsor 
um, like a badge in Instagram Lives, a little bit like TikTok does at the moment, mm -hmm. or Twitch, where you can pay for a special like um, or a special you know thing that comes up as a, a, a viewer of an Instagram uh, live is that the heart things they talked about yeah exactly okay. and then so that will be able to you'll be able to pay in like even 99p mm. or 99 cents one dollar two dollar three dollar um uh, amounts and that will give you also in the section a little bit like youtube a highlighted section so if there's a so you've got a million followers and you've got five hundred thousand people listening into your video mm -hmm. uh, your instagram live uh you're gonna have you know thousands of comments yeah someone pays that you know couple of quid their comment will show up as like a, a special one. And so people will be able to, based on getting paid, really help, you know, those loyal fans and those top fans. Um, so those are the two ways. You have IGTV, mm -hmm. and so that will be based on ad revenue. Mm -hmm. And it works out it's going to be around 55% of the um, ad revenue will go to the creator directly. Right. And then in the IG, uh, IG Live, 100% of the money goes to the creator. Instagram doesn't take any of it. It's kind of like a donation then. Yeah, exactly. Like it's small, literally small like a Twitch point. donation. Got it. Hmm. What do you think of that? I like it. I, I love the initiative. Yeah. Uh, how well it's going to be executed, I don't know. But um, one th the quick thing that I saw, because I didn't hear about the um, first, I didn't hear about the ad revenues thing. Yeah. Because the other one was like, well, then Instagram is not paying anyone. No, yeah, exactly. Their followers are paying the influencers. Oh, yeah. 100%. They're just providing the platform yeah, to do yeah, it. Yeah, they've got the marketplace. Um, they're the middle people. Yeah. But uh, I like it, and it makes sense because, as you were saying, because they're pushing IGTV much more, mm -hmm. and they come out with this other thing called guides. Yeah. So for all people who are having tutorials or workouts and stuff, yeah. they can put that in. Yeah. And it's like I'm, I assume they will gonna merge, so yeah. ad revenue comes from those kind of things. I think is uh, essential. I'm I. I guess the automatic conversation goes into can that re um, compete with YouTube and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I think. No, yeah, uh, it's just like YouTubers get way too much to be able to compete. But um, well, I just wonder because sorry to interrupt. No, no, go ahead. Um, they were saying in the article that is is meant to also push creators to create more authentic stuff that is you know true to them. Yeah. But is the question then are people not just going to make stuff to get revenue now? Yeah. So it's the same. YouTube had this issue after their adpocalypse mm. uh, where. Because it originally around, I think it was around 2016. Before that, you could make anything, and you your CPM, the cost per milli, the mm. amount you made per thousand views, um, was really high. Um, and now it's still high for many uh, particular industries like business, marketing, yeah. finance. Those have still got you know anywhere from ten to thirty dollars and things. But the everyday person, mm. um, they're only getting around two to three dollars. Um, you know, just the average vlogger or lifestyle person. Uh, where they used to get, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So their ad revenue has dropped significant, mm -hmm. significantly. And so in order to get over that, people just started making money, uh, making video and content specifically for those CPMs. Um, and I see a lot of things happening on Instagram that, although there are already a lot of people that are using it as more of a machine, yeah. uh, and they're using it in, in a very tactical and strategic way, I think a lot more of that is going to happen. Um but it should benefit Instagram because I think a lot more people are going to, as you said, jump on IGTV. Um, and IGTV, the more people use it and the more people watch it, um, the better it's going to become. Because that, I think it's got a lot of problems at the moment. Not a lot, but it's got a small I think it's also an initiative for people to 
no, for Instagram to get their influencers and creators back. Yeah. Because like creators and influencers are using YouTube and TikTok a lot. Mm-hmm. Not, I'm not saying more, yeah. but they're using it a different way because mm-hmm. they get revenue out of it. Yeah. So it's kind of like, don't worry, we're going to pay you guys. Yeah. <laughs> so <it's> like, <laughs> then they bring them back. So I think it's a smart move. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wonder, is anyone an influencer? Like can anyone who makes a live thing get people to pay donations to them? So Wired hasn't had like a, a follower amount yet. Okay. But I'm assuming it will be around the same as the swipe up feature, which is like 10,000. 10, okay. Um, that's that's what the assumed amount is, but um, no, okay. there, there is no set amount, and there's no, especially in the same in the IGTV either. Did it say how much uh, ad revenue percentage? It so it's fifty five percent before the IGTV goes to the creator. Fifty five percent. It's the same as YouTube, YouTube. around the same. Um, so that's pretty good, though. It is pretty good. Um, which so I'm assuming Instagram is going to have lower CPMs than a lot of places like uh, YouTube or something because they're a lot more long form, um, but um, the one thing is, is that people are already going out and getting their own sponsorships anyway. Yeah. And this actually might uh, threaten some of the influencer marketing companies. Maybe not the ones that work directly with brands, but the ones that are like talent agencies. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot less Good people point. are going to be going to places like that um, because they feel like they can just do it already within their own, you know, Instagram platforms. They've already added. <laughs> exactly. They they already added uh, last year that because um, they they're very aware that people are using. Instagram, uh, like Instagrammers are getting most of their living off of these sponsorships and people are doing pay, uh, branded partnered um, posts. So mm-hmm. the, last year they added in um, the branded partner um, saying that allows uh, creators to tag the brands okay. so that they that way the brands can see um, all the analytics and stuff from those uh, sponsored posts. Mm-hmm. Also, hopefully, I think it's the biggest thing is it's going to make a big difference in um, adding that validity to the creators. So it's you know it's going to make them feel real and like they're actual creators rather than just going around the back door and you know we, we're working with sponsors, but uh, but you know we're not going to tell Instagram about that or Instagram's like yeah you can work with brands, but we're not going to touch. So it's more it. transparent. You're trying to say exactly, but also the people like the everyday users of Instagram, not the creators, not Instagram themselves, yeah. not the brands. Like your mom and aunt. Exactly, yeah. Your everyday people, I feel like it's going to add a little bit more validity to them. What does validity mean? I don't it's, know. It's more like that they're real. So they're, they, you so know. they're all verified? Not not verified in specific, like in a tick, no. but more just like um, they are valid. They are. Appreciate um, it. Yeah, like they're going to perceive those um, oh, okay, people. in that sense. So yeah, basically now you can show it to your aunt and be like, hey, it's actually a real yeah, like and a profession and a real thing. It's not longer... Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of people nowadays that are just like, well, they're just Instagram models. They're Instagrammers. It's not a real job. You know? uh, and now it's going to be it's be like, okay, well, you know, it is. Yeah, that's uh, a fair point. Yeah. And so that perception of the everyday people... Go influencers. Them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, hopefully, that's what I think. So but, actually they're trying to change the perception of influencers maybe. That's the deep thought. I don't think they're trying to do that. I think they're trying to... Will that happen then? I feel like, yeah, it's a side effect. Yeah. I think it's a side Hopefully. effect of it. Because right now, whenever you say, I'm going to use influencers, and they're like, oh, yeah. influencers. Yeah. So hopefully that can change, I guess. Yeah, hopefully. Um, but yeah, I think this is, um, it's really interesting, and we'll see uh, where it goes. And obviously, any, once this is available, uh, we'll jump up and we'll make like a, a video about it and how to use it, and we'll do a full tutorial. Um, if you are an influencer or a creator, or you use Instagram and you want to try this out, um, 
we'll make sure we'll make sure to do a deep dive and see you know the ins and outs the pros the cons and stuff like that for sure all right so yeah that was good uh i guess we're reached the end of this first podcast show i hope it has been helpful i hope it's been fun a little bit um Uh, yeah i've had fun like i've definitely now calmed more down a little bit more relaxed uh it takes some time but we'll get it i'll get used to it (laughs) yeah i i I really enjoyed this one um because we've just yeah it felt like a conversation it felt useful and um you know we we do ramble a bit as people just in our everyday life anyway yeah and so um you were about to say you do don't you i was about to say he does a little bit more than i do (laughs) but we'll see i do too (laughs) i'm i always want to get the right word and that's why i sometimes stumble about my words but anyway you're about to say he does but then you realize that by saying that that is rambling in itself. (laughs) um yeah so we'll see where this goes if you want to reach out to us uh we will put our details in the show notes and in the description of this video if you're watching on youtube um you can subscribe you can follow the podcast on whatever you are listening to and you can listen uh, on all of the major platforms if there is any that aren't available let us know and we'll get it up on there um other than that send your questions in Hope you enjoyed and have a lovely rest of your day. Millennial marketers. Millennial marketers.